1: An air, kiss.
2: an air kiss is better than no kiss.
1: No, not because of uh, social distancing, just because I've got lipstick on. so. so i don't I got to remember, we're video now, so I actually have to take a shower.
2: <laughs> yes, you do.
1: I want to smell good for our listening audience. That's very... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also want to have good breath. I don't think they're hard of smelling. Nice breath, right? You do have nice breath. Thank you. Okay. So, we're getting along now. But um we are. there have been some times during this lockdown that I think all married couples can relate to, right? I'm listening. Well, no, I you know, it's not well you know, I can see how people, this is just like a pressure cooker of whatever issues or problems you had before COVID. Before the pandemic, it's just gonna Every,
2: everything gets amplified. Yeah, if you are getting along, it's great. But if you are not getting along and you are quarantined with somebody, oof, that right? Who knows? That's combustible. That could be a dangerous situation. Right.
1: So this is actually uh, an episode that we I I wanted to do way before all this because I thought divorce is an important thing. It's not a a pleasant thing to talk about, but it is a necessary thing to talk about. And, you know, if you're going to be talking about dating and relationships, you know, and we got to talk about breakups, we have to talk about divorce. So this is something that has been on the books for a while, and then just a number of things kind of got in the way. But here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and now now is a good a time as any to talk about divorce, because my feeling is that there might be a few after this whole thing is over okay not here of course no not
2: here we are jesus we just got married we are not done being married right right i had to think about that yes uh but i i again it it would be a, a terrible thing to have to be sequestered with somebody that you are really not happy with yeah. So we are very. It's blessed. like a
1: it's like a pandemic on top of a pandemic. Oof. Yeah, it's a global pandemic in your house.
2: And we don't have any kids, and that's no. Probably there's a good there's thing all too, co- so well. There's...
1: This is what we're going to talk about today because there's so many layers and aspects of this, and moving parts, and what happens when uh, this. How do we start this whole thing? And how do you start it if you're sequestered? And what's going to happen after? What it what was happening before? Can marriages be saved? Can you find new life? Can you inject new life into your marriage if you're stuck at home together? Or will things just proceed along? And let's talk about divorce anyway. Okay. Why do marriages fail? I I'm not asking you, but.
2: Well, I. I
1: how do you um, stop? For many it? reasons. How do you stop a um a speeding train? Don't, don't stand
2: know, don't in know, don't front know. of it. <laughs> I don't know. How how do you stop it? Is that a joke?
1: I don't know. I just thought of like divorce being a like a if train that just is keep it just going, it's speeding and well can, can y- it be stopped? Can you, you have
2: to wanna stop it? Both people have to wanna have the same goal, whether it's a breakup or it's getting back together. You both have to share that goal, I think, in order for the result to be achieved, whatever that is.
1: Okay, so today's episode then is all things divorce. Right. COVID or no <laughs> but i promise you it's going to be pleasant it's not going to be excruciatingly painful it'll be informative and light-hearted and funny right because well because the hosts are
2: well we try to be but we try to bring and then we bring on
1: damn good guests okay Okay, i'm sorry i cut you off that's okay don't divorce me i'm so used to it uh is that grounds for divorce
2: Continued. Chronically behavior. cutting your spouse yes. off. All right. It's okay. So we do have a great guest today. Who who do we have?
1: We have James Sexton, divorce attorney extraordinaire. Is that right? Shall I? Certainly. Do the honors? I mean I'm Certainly. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay. 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 <laughs> sorry, I'm a little slow on the uptick. Come on. Yeah.
1: Keep you on your toes. Absolutely. That's what a wife does. Uh, <laughs> okay. At your service, my little inshallah. thank you. Good. James J. Sexton, Esquire, is a trial lawyer with two decades of experience negotiating and litigating high conflict divorces. Described by former clients as a compassionate and dedicated advocate and a courtroom gun, gunslinger, Sexton is known for his intensity, focus, and discipline in all areas of life. He wakes up every day at 4 a.m. to meditate. I like him already. Drink. Oh, fuck, I drink.
0: I like him already.
1: Drink. <laughs> no, it's a type of tea. Pura? Pura. Oh, Jesus. He just told me how to pronounce it. It's a type of tea. It's like a kombaka. Kombachi?
2: Kombacha. Kombacha. <laughs>
1: what do you call that stuff? I don't know. And it starts, oh, Jesus. Okay, he wakes up every day at 4 a.m. to meditate, drink, and start the next wave of chess moves on his on his current Kazik. <laughs> Now, thank God for editing. That's all I can say. We're not editing. He wakes up every
2: day. I I actually can. If you want to start another video, I can. He
1: wakes up every day at four a.m. to meditate, drink damn tea. sounds like our and start the next wave of chess moves on his current cases. Relentless in and out of the courtroom, Sexton ensures that each and every case he agrees to take on is given the personalized attention it deserves. James is the author of How to Stay in Love practical wisdom from an unlikely source which is a follow-up and expanded paperback of his new york times book reviewed if you're in my office it's already too late a divorce lawyer's guide to staying together all right jim sexton welcome
0: to dundee and single come on well from you're from now on you're doing all of my intros that was great <laughs> i mean it, it made it way more entertaining <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. sorry
2: it really did i
1: sorry we've been drinking w- no, and not that's great. and not Listen, the damn you know tea
0: what? COVID has turned every house into Vegas, right? Like, we're watching our money disappear. We're drinking all day long. It's 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 really, and nobody knows what day it is or what time it is. It's every so uh, every day's a Sunday.
2: It's always 5 yeah, o'clock, yeah. Uh, yeah. right?
0: the week is like one long day where I change clothes. So it's really not, uh, you know, it's not bad. But, no, thank you for having me, and, and thank you for the lovely intro and, and the very uh, entertaining. You, the two of you are, 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 are a lot of fun to listen to always, but uh, it's Great. even more fun when I'm actually oh, okay. the subject. Well, so, thank you. So,
2: James, are you in your office? You look like you're I in your office. am actually, so I am you're... in
0: my office. I, I had um, quarantined my office. I, I told the, the, my staff to work remotely about March 12th, uh, really before this thing started to hit heavy and um thankfully the type of work we do is work that can be done remotely most of the time you know attorneys are hired for their brain and for writing and for things like that so a lot of the court appearances and other things that are happening right now are all being done by video conferencing so i'm I'm coming you know i i find for myself i'm a very you know organized and methodical person and i work well within a routine so i'm just trying to to stave off that sense of like endless days that are all exactly the same by trying to follow as much of my routine as I can you know
1: okay so since this show is is long time in the making
0: yeah
1: uh we're gonna get up to speed with all things COVID but right now I want to just talk yeah. about the sort of the the basics of divorce um yeah. and I want to know from your point of view since you said that by the time people are in your office it's too late um, yeah. why do marriages fail?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And it's it's really the one that inspired me to write about the topic to begin with, because I'd been doing this for 20 years and, and watching, you know, uh, a lot of marriages fall apart. And just like a car mechanic who, who only sees the car, you know, when it is in need of repair or the dentist who only sees somebody when their tooth already has a toothache. I started to realize that by the time people came to me, by the time you're you're talking to a divorce lawyer, you know, every married person, you know, no matter how happy they are, every once in a while you're gonna have a thought in your head like, oh, I'm gonna divorce this person, or oh my God, you know, what would happen if we got divorced, or what would it look like? But usually, thank thankfully, it's just sort of a transient thought that happens when your spouse does something particularly boneheaded. Um, but but you know, by the time you really have made an appointment, come in and sit down across from me, it, it usually indicates that there's a really serious thing happening just like going to the dentist and having the toothache there's a lot that dentists could have done if you'd come to them before you had a toothache but by the time you've got that toothache it's probably too late and and all they can do is try to fix the the problem itself but they can't fix the tooth so you know really for me what what I what I came to view divorce as is I think a lot of people say you know, and it's easy to say, um, well, we're getting divorced because he's sleeping with his secretary or we're getting divorced because uh, she took all the money out of our bank accounts or, you know, any of the number, other big reasons that you're infidelity, financial impropriety, dishonesty of a serious kind. But but really, if you look at it, there are small problems that build up to those big marriage killing problems. You know, it's it's about small disconnections. No single raindrop is responsible for the flood. And really, that's what my my book really tried to look at and talk about based on my experience with clients. You know, in in the book, The Bond of one of the characters uh, that that Tom Wolfe wrote um, is talking to someone who had been very financially successful and then had declared bankruptcy. And he says to him, how did you go bankrupt? And he said, well, I went bankrupt the same way everyone goes bankrupt, very slowly and then all at once. And I think that's what happens with marriages Mm -hmm. is they end very and then all at once. That's how people lose connection is very slowly. And then all at once. And we don't see it for two reasons. One, because whoever discovered water, it wasn't a fish. You know, when you're in it, you just don't see it. And two, we fall in love the opposite way. Very often. We fall in love really fast. You know, it's just like a, like a fairly instantaneous intense thing, but we fall out of love fairly slowly. And then, the marriage killing thing happens. But really, my, my book and my work is, you know, uh, uh, as a relationship you know, uh, expert, rather, because a divorce lawyer is to facilitate the demise of already dead marriages. But, but my sort of second calling and second chapter and, and the inspiration of my two books was to basically say, look, can we help people who haven't gotten to that point? by giving them practical, simple ways to stay connected to each other and to prevent those big marriage-killing things from happening.
2: Well, I, I love the thought of a preventive preventive divorce. They're like preventive dentistry. You know, you go there. Yeah, preventive maintenance. Uh, preventive maintenance. Uh, who? Nobody really thinks like that, though, unless they're getting uh, therapy tune-ups on their marriage or something. Maybe that is what preventive... Right divorce is like I don't I don't know
1: do you see after a couple comes in to see you do they leave going yes we are done or do they leave and do you see them get come to their senses in some way
0: well generally when people come to me in my professional role they're coming to me because they're in a conflict divorce and then my assistant. So I generally, I, am I always encourage anybody who comes to see me as a lawyer to consider the possibility, not a way to reconcile their relationship. But usually by the time they've come to me, um, you know, they're, they're not in that position. They're in a serious situation. But when I talk to people in my capacity as, as, you know, writer on relationships um, and a speaker on relationships, I'm always encouraging couples to, to, to really just follow some very, what I consider to be very practical solutions. You know, I think the problem with relationship advice is it it gives very general statements to people like oh you should maintain connection well what what like what does that mean that's not a practical thing like what your idea of connection my idea of connection might be totally different things or communicate better okay what what do you mean communicate better do you mean talk more often do you mean talk in different ways what are you talking about so a, as a lawyer my training is to is to you know we think in generalities but we live in details and so my training as a lawyer prevents me from looking at things in these general ways. That's why the the sign on the road doesn't say drive a reasonable speed taking into consideration the weather conditions and your skill as a driver. You know, it says 35 miles per hour. And 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 because that's what lawyers have to do. We do we think, you know, is 36 miles an hour that much more dangerous? Probably not. Will you get pulled over for 36? Probably not, but we had to pick a number, so we pick a number. And and that's what I look at relationships as is look, don't just say stay connected. Don't just say, communicate better, give people practical, real techniques that they can actually do in their relationship that will help them keep their connection. Because the the thing that's amazing about marriage, from from my perspective, 53% of marriages end in divorce. That's an abysmally bad statistic. I mean, Toyota, to put it in perspective, had a 00001 brake problem on one of their vehicles in the 1990s and recalled the entire line of cars. You know, if I told you there's a 30% chance when you walk out the door today you're going to get hit in the head with a bowling ball, you would not walk out or at a minimum you'd wear a helmet. But there's 53% likelihood that you're going to get divorced when you get married. So it's more likely than not. Right. So that's a fascinating statistic to me for two reasons. One, we still keep doing it. And, and, and that tells me something about how important it is. And that tells me something about how much we need it or want it, or how much it's been presented to us as important. And the second statistic that I think is fascinating is 86% of people who get divorced are remarried within five years. So think about that. That means this person's been married, it didn't work out. And then 86% of those people get remarried within five years. So yeah. that tells me this is a really important thing to people. It's, it's some point and need. That particular kind of pair bonding is important to people. So we got to figure out a way to get better at it. And I think the only way to do it is to talk about it in a way that we don't normally talk about
2: it. What percentage of those 86% of people that get married a second time within five years stay married?
0: Uh, way less than the 50%. It's actually in the high 60s. uh, Wow, that that is... The divorce rate for subsequent marriages increases fairly significantly. So So maybe we should get divorced and then we'll get remarried. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it's really funny because to me, it's one of the few things, I mean, we live in an increasingly curated world where everyone is, you know, posting on social media the greatest hits moments of their lives and the best pictures of themselves and the best face of their marriage and all the greatest moments. And, and we don't really get to see the, the naked, honest truth of people's lives and relationships as much as we used to, perhaps. And, and we see this other version, this greatest hits version. And, and I think it creates in other people, the observers, this belief, this mistaken belief that everybody is doing better than they are, and everyone's happier than they are, and no one is struggling ever the way that they are. And 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 the more that we can, as a, as a culture, have a conversation about you know, the ways that married people sometimes lose that connection. They lose mm-hmm. the plot of the story that they decided to write together. And And it's one of those great things, marriage, where you can't pretend you meant to
2: get divorced we, we lost you a little bit there you can't pretend cutting,
0: what? <clears throat> say it again there's you're cutting scenario, out a, a few little years bit and we'll get divorced.
2: one more time
1: one more time
0: you cut out yeah i mean basically what you're saying when when you when you get married you're basically saying there's 7.3 billion people in the world i'm picking this one and i want to stick with this one and you can't pretend you ever meant to get divorced it's, it's a destination no one meant to get to somewhere along the way you lost the plot so to me that's a great opportunity Because if at some point you both wanted the same thing, which is to live happily ever after, then we just have to figure out how to course correct and and, and try to get back on that track.
1: I'm curious, does age figure into divorce trends
0: so what's interesting about that is is I was always fascinated when I first started practicing about divorce-related statistics because the states keep a lot of demographic information. When you get divorced, you have to fill out what's called the Certificate of Dissolution of Marriage, and they, they use it, essentially, the Department of Health uses it to compile demographic information about divorce statistics. And there is really no rhyme or reason to it. People who cohabitate before or don't, people of same religions, different religions, people of different ages or of similar ages, people who marry later in life or marry earlier in life, there is no real correlation that, that has any statistical significance. Okay. Um, it really is not that kind of a thing. You know, there, there, there are some people, some researchers who've opined that people who marry later in life make better choices because they know what they want, right. I mean, you both waited, you know, a significant period of time to, to make your choices. There's a school of thought that says that you make a more informed choice when you do that. There's another school of thought that says that you've had so much time living as a single individual that adapting to cohabitating with another person is much harder to do. It's just like learning a foreign language is easier when you're a kid. So, you know, it, it, it really can go both ways. Well, I mean, you married an angel, though, Bobby. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, how can we possibly, you know? Yeah.
2: Okay, I, I. You're
0: playing but ab- you're playing above the rim. So, I, like, right.
2: You're, you're okay. To keep it you, you're right about that.
1: Uh, well, no. Listen, in the interest of full disclosure, disclosure, and I've said this before, and I've, I've blogged about this before. It's not easy when you sure. get together later in life, especially. Sure. For uh, I mean, really. Well, Robbie had some relationships. <clears throat> I did not. I never I she never, never cohabitated. Li- she never lived with anybody before? Yeah. So yeah.
2: so it's still new to her.
1: So, yes, you do at a, you do with age become a little bit more dug in. Uh your habits are harder to break. You just get set in your ways. That's just human. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, when you're talking about um you know, making a serious commitment to someone, it does have its challenges.
0: Yeah. And and it's something that you can control for. It's something that, that if you are able to come up with, you know, one of the things that's interesting about married couples or even unmarried habitat is we, we have a conversation about how to have a conversation. You know, most people learn how to fight with their spouse when they're in a fight with their spouse, you know, which, which to me is very odd. It's like learning how to swim once you're in the pool, you know? So like for a couple to sit down at the beginning of a marriage and to say, you know what, at some point we're going to bump heads. We're going to disagree about something. It might be small. It might be big. How how does that look for you? Like when you're – you, are you the kind of person that like I don't want to go to bed angry? Or are you the kind of person that needs a little time to like cool off and maybe it's better that we talk in the morning? Are you the kind of person that if you walk away, I should come after you and kind of make you look at this? Or are you the kind of person that I shouldn't come after you because you realize you need some space in that moment and you're trying to stay calm? And, and, and the time to have that discussion is not while you're in a fight. The time to have that discussion is before you ever have a fight. So, true. That, so but, 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 just the fact that you guys are talking about- No, go ahead. About the fact that, you know, look, this for me is a first time experience. I've never cohabitated. And for, for, for Bobby to say, you know what, I've done that before, and maybe I know what parts of it bumped into me and what parts of it didn't feel good or what parts of it you know, didn't work right or how this person wasn't a good fit. I mean, we learn best what's good for us by experiencing the things that aren't, right? I I have a friend who's a sommelier and he said to me, if you wanna learn about wine, don't try to pair a perfect wine with food, drink the wrong wine with the food and you'll see right away. He says, if you you give someone a a subtle Cabernet or a French Bordeaux with a steak, they're not really gonna see a difference. But if you give them like a, a Pinot, they're going to go, oh yeah, I can't even taste this wine. The food overpowered it. So give them the wrong wine so then they can learn what the right wine is. I so like that. Having, it's, a, it's a great. You know, no experience with it is great. Yeah. And having having a lot of experience, that teaches you a lot about what you don't want, what didn't work, what I, pumped I... into you individually, and how to do it better.
2: Okay. But I, how can you role play a fight that hasn't happened yet with somebody new? So you're you're saying the time to fight is not when you're fighting. The time to to learn about the other person's uh, ability to fight or how they approach a fight uh, should be in advance of you guys getting into a fight. But that's almost impossible to really prejudge.
0: Well, the logistics of the specific fight you're absolutely right. But 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 look, all fights, right? All disagreements, all conflicts between people, they're they're going to have some similar traits. Like you take position A, I take position B and the two don't meet, you know? So, we don't have to know the specifics of what we're going to fight about to know enough about ourselves to be able to say, "Hey, here's what doesn't feel good to me and here's what does." A lot of what I talk about in my book is just about checking in frequently along the way. Most people wait till things are bad to talk about things. And and I understand the human need to do that. If you, if I don't have to look at it, maybe it's not real. You know, I, I, I've been saying during this COVID pandemic how, you know, in my office or in my home, it's kind of easy to forget it's going on. And then I go to the grocery store once a week and I put on my N95 mask and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, this is real. This is really going on. Now that's not a good relationship strategy, you know, to just say, well, I'll just sort of ignore anything until I absolutely have to. What I call, there's a chapter called hit send now, where I talk about this, just technique of of when there are little disconnections. Because what we get taught is, and I'm sure you heard it, Bobby, when you got married, you know, every man gets told, listen, the two most important words, yes, dear, that's all you need to know. Just learn how to say yes, dear. And, And it's a joke and I get that people make it, but the truth is making, we get taught don't make little things into something bigger, you know, don't bring up little things, wait till you pick your battles. The problem with that is that the little battles, the little things, those little disconnections are the things that build up into right. big things. And, and and everyone who's ever been in a relationship knows that. That's how you're eating breakfast with your spouse, and you're talking about you know the best way to cook uh, bacon, and you know you're saying oh you should do it in the broiler, and the other one's saying oh you should do it in the pan. And five minutes later, it's like well I never liked your mother, you know. And you're looking at each other. <laughs> Wait like, a
2: minute. What? You've heard that conversation. Do you have like, a
0: camera? Do you have a secret here? camera yeah.
1: in our yeah. home?
0: Because at, this or at least in our kitchen. So bad. How long have you been carrying that around? You know, how yeah. long have you been walking around with that? And so my my idea is and what I advocate for in the book is is addressing those micro disconnections right away and, and doing it in a way that's not confrontational. That doesn't make the other person defensive you know Mm -hmm, if I come mm -hmm. up and I say to you you know I really want to talk to you about what you said last night it kind of sat wrong with me you're now you're on the defensive because you maybe you're not in the mood to talk or maybe you feel like you have to respond right then so I'm a big fan of email and and that's what I call it hit send now Is I talk about sending an email and, and, and using the subject heading hitting send now and you're letting your spouse know that this is one of those emails and you just say in the email listen last night when we were at dinner and kind of made that comment about my sister. Maybe you didn't mean anything by it, but it just made me feel a little weird because I really feel like you like her and it sounded like you were saying something very critical of her and it just sat wrong with me and I don't like to feel that way when I'm with you. I, I know that you love my sister and I know you support me. And and by doing that in a non-continational way with these little tiny things, we don't have these massive fights where we've all have been saving ammunition and start shooting at each other wildly.
2: It's a really good point. I, I wanna
1: say you've just brought up something that was super cool and uh useful for for us or anybody good. Good. that if you know what your conflict style is, that is so yeah. helpful if you do. We do I I know, do don't
0: we? I mean we do. I yeah. think that's
1: such an important thing to talk about as you get to know each other because there will be conflict. There will be fights. Yeah. There yeah. will be blood.
2: Yes. There will be. Um, yes.
1: And to say, hey, well, you know, yeah, I don't. The beauty I, of it is, is. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no. I mean, the beauty of it is, is that that we we learn in, in relationships to share our sources of pleasure with our partner. Right? Like, it's so sweet when you do this. Or, oh, you know, it makes me so happy when you do that. or And that's such a lovely thing. But to say to someone, "Hey, you know, we don't like to look at that stuff," but but it's so important to say to someone, "Hey, this is how I like to talk." You know, like, yes. I need five minutes with you when you get home. When yeah. you get home, I just need five minutes. If you give me five minutes when you get home, and you give me a hug, and you tell me, you know, how handsome I am, and you like one of the things I talk about in the book is that constructive criticism is criticism, period. It's criticism. Like you, you, and nobody wants to be criticized by their spouse. The whole world's trying to kill us, it feels like, sometimes. And our spouse is our cheerleader. Our spouse is the person who's supposed to be on our side in this sort of dangerous, scary world where it feels like everyone's after us. So why do we want to be criticized by our partner? But but the truth is we don't have to criticize our partner in order to let them know the ways that we think things can be improved. We can do it, and I talk about it in the book, with 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 praise. We can do it the same way you would not to be condescending but the same way you would train a puppy or that you would teach a child you know i the example that i give is i, I dated a woman for i'm a lawyer so you know during the week i wear a suit except during covid and uh because i'm usually going to court and i'm clean shaven because i always like to you know sort of present in a very professional old school lawyer way and on the weekends i tend to not shave because i you know i, I like to give my face a break and it's nice not to drag a razor across it and i I was dating a woman and and I would, you know, go to kiss her or whatever on the weekend, and she'd say, like, oh God, you' like your beard like your stubble, like it just like scrubs it. And immediately I had this sort of like, well, you know it's the weekend and like I don't you know I just want two days I don't have to shave and you know, like you should be happy, I'm kissing you to begin with. You know? <laughs> it brings out something defensive. so so a relationship or so later, um I was dating a woman and and she liked me clean shaven too, just like the other one did, but but what she did is, as I had just shaved at some point, she came up and she sort of, you know, stroked my face and went, oh, God, you're so, I think it's so sexy when you're clean-shaven. Like, it's so smooth. You look so legally like Don Draper from Mad Men, you know. It's so, it's so, okay, I would carry around a razor, right. you know, and <laughs> shave three times a day at that point because what did they do? They accomplished giving me the same message, which is, hey, shave. You know, I like it better. That's my preference. okay. But they did it in a way. One of them incentivizes me because I I want to be desirable to my partner. I be you know charming and handsome and attractive to them. Whereas the other one it brings out my defensive side. And and we can all do that kind of you know behavioral manipulation with our spouse in a, in a loving way, in a way that really helps them bring out the best in themselves for us. You
1: missed your calling.
2: Good stuff. Right, wait, is so, it
1: too late for you to become uh, a marriage and family yeah.
2: therapist? Well, actually, that's that's my next question. Uh, is that. Yeah,
0: divorce lawyers make a lot more money than divorce and uh, than family therapists. Still.
2: Okay, but how I much? I don't
0: know any therapist that make $800 an hour.
2: Oh, no, right.
1: Well, unless. No. What kind of therapy are we talking about?
2: Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, too. Okay. But, so. Uh, do, do couples ever hire you as a couple or are you mostly working with individuals in a marriage that's either on the way out or?
0: Yeah, I, I mostly work with individuals as their advocate, but I do some mediation work. Um, you know, mediation work does not, uh, it's not as lucrative for attorneys. Um, you know, being a divorce trial lawyer, you know, you have a team of lawyers who work for you and you're preparing for a trial and it's, it's a much more, uh, a lucrative profession. Um, but mediation is, I think, much more rewarding and I, I enjoy doing it very much. Um, and but it's very self-selecting because you know, you hear a lot about ugly knockdown drag divorces because they're way more interesting. You know, like knockdown right. drag out divorces are so interesting. Like when I go to a cocktail party, you know, people and they say, you know, what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, I'm a divorce lawyer. And they go, Oh my God, you must have some stories. You know, if I said, yeah, you know, like there's this one where, you know, these two people were married and then they kind of grew apart and they amicably decided to divide their assets and they came up with a reasonable parenting time schedule and then they continued to live their lives as, you know, happy people. But nobody wants to hear that story. No. They want to hear about the person who took a chainsaw to their spouse's car or set their wardrobe on fire, you know. And, and so you hear about ugly divorces, but the majority of divorces really are not that. They're They're really – you know, there's some element of anger. There's some element of sadness, but a lot of it is just the, the business transaction of undoing. You know, all the ties that people have when they marry—financial, interpersonal, children—all those kinds of things.
2: Right. I, I have an, another question then about this. Uh, Go ahead. What do you say about men that don't get divorced from a from the woman that they are separated with forever? Forever. Mm-hmm they they're just they, they just, just never, they don't want it it doesn't happen they don't happen. finalize the divorce it doesn't they get don't finalized finalize the divorce.
0: is it yeah i mean i think reasons? a lot of people do that sometimes they do it for financial reasons because it's just easier you can keep each other on your health insurance right sometimes people do it for just reason people do it because they they don't have a desire to get remarried and and really if you're living separate from your spouse you know you you have the ability to say hey we're for all intents and purposes it's like we're divorced um, I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, people get married for a lot of reasons. People get for a lot of reasons. People get for a lot of reasons. So I, I think it really depends on the specifics of the situation. But I certainly know a lot of people that never get around to finalizing their divorce. We used to jokingly call it the Irish divorce. You know, you go out for you go out for milk and never come home, you know, and <laughs> oh and, uh, and and that's uh it's like you know, the, that's it's like a, the Polish a, wedding,
2: right? But,
1: <laughs> right? Right. But what that so, lasts for days, or is that a Polish birthday? I right. can't remember. I, I don't know, right.
2: but what happens both. if if the, if the both people want to date again? It I think it really creates issues for let's say a a guy who doesn't get divorced from his spouse and is dating and then the woman who's he's dating can't really feel secure and confident right. that this is going to go anywhere because you haven't yeah. pulled the trigger yet. And so,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's good to finish, you know, what's on your plate mm. before you, yeah, you, you know, before you, 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 of course um, I think that, but I, I also do understand that the reality of people's lives in my experience is that that sometimes making a new connection is the thing that makes you realize the deficiency of the connection you had you know it's very easy to sort of fit people with horns and halos and say oh well, the person who cheats is a bad person and the person who's been cheated on is a victim but i don't really know that my experience of, of sitting across the, the the table from you know thousands of people who've cheated and who've been cheated on um, that it that it's quite that clear because I think they're, they're, the human need for connection is a real one and a profound one, and I think that sometimes people don't... I find very often with my female clients um, who, who've who been you know, engaged in infidelity that often the affair is the thing for them that shows them, okay, the fact that I could feel this way about another person and that I would even act on it after feeling that way really shows me that this relationship is over, that sometimes it's the... It's the like, you know, the, the, the intervention moment for them where they realize, wow, this thing's really beyond repair, you know. So I, I think human emotional complexity comes into play.
1: I once read that women are more likely to take back a husband who's cheated than a man is to take back a, the wife that cheated. Do you find that to be true? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I, my sample is self-selecting because the people who are in my office usually haven't taken someone back. They're usually moving forward with a divorce. But I will say that I, I have found as a general premise without being too too uh, sexist uh, in, in my perspective that women are, are far more forgiving right. um, in general than men are. But what I will say is that once a woman has crossed the line from forgiving to being unforgiving, there is a fury that comes there that is unmatchable almost by, by a lot of my male clients. I think Shakespeare had it right. Yeah. No, have no fury like a woman scorned.
1: Uh, part two to that, to that question. Is that the number one marriage killer infidelity?
0: Yeah. I mean, I get asked those questions a lot about what's the number one marriage killer. And I, I always tell people the number one marriage killer is disconnection. Um, but I, I think that disconnection leads to a number of marriage killers. And of course I think that by by and large, any divorce lawyer will tell you that that most people, when they come in and say, My marriage is ending, it's either adultery or substance abuse issues. Substance abuse issues is is ranks right up there. Alcoholism yeah. is a huge one. Uh, probably still the biggest. But in the last ten years I would say opiate addiction is, is a huge thing too. I mean, we have a lot of people. Unfortunately, opiate addiction, like alcoholism, doesn't discriminate over class lines or racial lines, you know, right. you know or anything. I mean and, and, and so we have you know, I've had people who were married to a successful financial professional who made eight, nine hundred thousand dollars a year and went from that to being a heroin addict because they had a, a shoulder surgery and got hooked on oxycontin. So I mean it you know, it's 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 really shocking how how prevalent substance abuse issues can impact things, and I think those are—that's not as sexy as when you talk to people about infidelity. Um, but the truth is, substance abuse is, is I, oh, sure. I would say the more insidious and and the you know, the 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 more unfortunate because it creates all kinds of other problems in terms of danger to children. Well, and do you find to yourself.
2: do you find that the substance abuse uh, issues in a marriage uh, will get worse if both parties are not looking to Get help for this, or they one person maybe the the abuser is not acknowledging it or not willing to yeah. go for an AA or w- whatever it is. Yeah, and
0: yeah, I think I mean I think you know the 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 old AA adage of the first step is is acknowledging that you have a problem is really the hardest thing to overcome. I think I think you know when when someone's spouse says to them, "I'm really concerned about your use of alcohol or your use of drugs," um, and the person says, "Well, I'm not. I'm fine." And, okay, well, you didn't need to set whether you're fine or not, they're concerned about it. So the rational response is to say, okay, why would you, as someone who loves me and who's, who's you know, out of seven, you know, 7.3 billion people in the world, we chose each other. If this person is worried about my substance use, it, it is something I need to look at, whether I feel I need to look at it or not. It is something I need to look at because they've said it's a problem for them. So it's a problem for me, you know, and that's what a good partnership looks like. But yeah, I mean, that's really hard. I, I people all the time come in and say, you know, but, but, you know, that's the nature of substance abuse too, though. I think that people, you know, I I had a client once who said to me with a straight face, you know, that his, his wife had, you know, was, was leaving him because she claimed he drank too much. And, you know, he didn't think he had any problems with alcohol. And then as I continued to speak to him, he'd had like three DWIs and he'd had all kinds of other issues related to his employment from his alcoholism and but he decided that because he wasn't drinking scotch anymore and only drank beer, that he essentially solved the problem. And, and so, you know, denial is an amazing thing yes. I mean, that, that people can really create all kinds of explanations for their behavior. And you won't be surprised to know that most people are the hero of the story that they tell about themselves. how sure. fascinating that is.
1: What, what if you're married to a news junkie?
0: a news junkie. Yeah. You know, I've I've actually had I had a, a divorce where, where where the woman's primary complaint guilty uh, uh, was that her husband watched Fox News all day. That's and she was a progressive liberal and she married a guy who was conservative and he would just watch um, Fox News and, and like yell at the TV. That's and it, it made her very like upset because she uh... said like I'm, I'm used to having
1: you just opened Pandora's box of sound effects. Not at all.
0: I have actually kept more promises than I've made. Okay, yeah. here right. we go.
2: So, okay. Uh,
0: be like, like, uh, okay. Uh,
2: I, wait, I have a question. You, okay. Yes. Uh, so, getting back to issues between couples, trust, obviously, is a very big one. And sure. And are there exercises, and maybe this is more in the therapy realm than legal, that couples can do or that you have for them to perform so that they can show that they are building equity back in the trust bank so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question and I and I think you know all of the issues in my book are primarily mental health issues and all I'm trying to do as a lawyer who I'm just pointing out what I see. I'm pointing out what's showing up in my office. You know, they're, they're, they're. So I, I've got a lot of hands on time listening, you know, really people lie to their therapists. People usually don't lie to their divorce lawyer. Like your lawyer and your doctor are the two people you should never lie to. Our only jobs to protect you, and we have total confidentiality. So, like you can lie, lie to your therapist all you want to, right. I guess, but but they don't lie to me necessarily. There's no reason to. I get to see all their financial statements. I get to see everything on. You know, I get to see all the information I need to see. So, I think I just have a very candid view of people. And what I'd say is rebuilding trust, or the way to build trust between people, I think trust is about intimacy. And intimacy is defined as the ability to be completely yourself with another person, to be authentically yourself with another person. And how does that develop? Well, that that develops with a feeling of safety, right? Feeling that you're not that the, the things you share with that person aren't going to be weaponized against you. And the feeling that 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 the relationship will be deepened, that there'll be some tangible benefit to you by sharing authentically who you are. Not telling this person what they want to hear, but telling them what What's true and what what needs to be set, you know? Because, I mean, that's that's the definition of discipline is is trading what you want now for what you want most. You know, what you want now is I don't want to get in a fight, but what you want most is an authentic a relationship with real depth that's going to sustain and survive and, and and be there for you, you know, and and you be there for it. So, I talk a lot in the book about you know how do we do that, and I think the way to do it is you know, basic communication, being really open about... Because I, I what I say in the book is that, that I think the biggest problem in all relationship issues is people don't know what they want and they don't know how to express it, you know? So the first step is figuring out what you want. And the second step is figuring out how to express it. You know, one of the things I, I think is fascinating about your relationship as people who came to marriage, you know, a little later in, in, in life um, than the average marriage statistic is that most people never think about why they're getting married you know like what what is the problem to which marriage is a solution you know we do we do like I I have this tea mug okay what is the problem to which this mug is a solution well that's easy I, I can't hold hot tea in my hand you know so I need something to hold it in you know so so it really is about looking at marriage like you would any technology and and saying what is the problem it's here to solve okay well, I think when you when you've lived a great portion of your life without using a technology and then that technology gets handed to you you look at it and go, "Well, do I really need this?" I I've, I've kind of I've had a life without it for a long time and and so why would I what problem is it going to solve for me? When you get married and you're 20 years old, why are you getting married? Well, cuz you know, like I graduated college, we've been dating for a while, I guess that's what you do next, you know. So right. so I think once you know just to ask the question, what is the problem to which marriage is a solution for me? I think for everybody it might be different, but but does okay, it really solve fine. that problem? Let that's me, a great let, question to ask. Let me think about no, this. No, let's not some.
2: you
1: think about it first. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, well, it's too you late know, already. Oh, um, already made the choice you after. know, Jim, well, you sound like a, a super uh, ethical, honest plastic surgeon that sees a patient or a potential patient and says, you know, you, you don't, don't really need me. Are you sure? Are you really sure you want to get yeah. this lifted, tucked, yeah. your neck pulled, done. whatever? And and they turn we guilty pleasure over here. We watch Botched. Do you ever watch, you know what Botched is? Oh yeah, sure. The plastic surgery show.
0: We love it. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Absolutely. And I got to give those guys credit. They say no. Yeah. They say we won't do this.
0: That is really ethical professional does that. Y- yeah.
1: Correct. And because that makes just me like
0: their industry. We live and die by our reputation. And so, you know, wh- I tell this to clients all the time because I'm a courtroom lawyer. I love to litigate in the courtroom. I love to take cases to trial. But I very often will tell a client to settle a case. And they'll say to me, you know, oh, I, I thought, you know, you were gonna, we were going to go fight this out. And I go, look, if I'm telling you, like, I get paid the same whether you win or lose. Like, if you win, like, if I, get, I get paid for the fight. And I love the fight. I'm great at it. It's what I do. So if I'm telling you this settlement is good for you, I'm hurting my own financial interests. If I have someone come in and I say to them, look, you don't need me. You should go to a mediator, you know, like I'm going to do, you know, if if a mediator does it, they're going to do it with a scalpel. If I do it, I'm going to do it with a chainsaw. So go to the mediator. I'm not getting anything out of that, but but here's what I do get. Just like I think a, a cosmetic surgeon or any other kind of professional, an ethical professional who sends someone out their door gets. I have my reputation, and I live and die by my reputation. And that person may walk out and say, you know what, Jim could have taken a bunch of money from me, all amped up and fed and told, and made my situation worse. Instead, he sent me out to someone who who would be. Better, for, like I said, in twenty years of practice, I never did any advertising, and I built a, a very successful firm because I I just always tried to do the right thing by people and always tried to be honest with them about whether I am the solution to the problem that they have. uh
1: can we? We have, don't tell me we have to wrap.
2: Yeah, it's time, it's, getting, it's getting to that. Okay, point.
1: we haven't even gotten around to the big C.
2: The big C. Yeah.
0: The big C. COVID.
1: We haven't even.
2: Well, okay, let's talk about it.
1: Okay, we got to talk about this because this is this has to be affecting your what are, business. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? And I,
0: I refer to COVID as the divorce lawyers relief act of 2020. <laughs> um, I, I think that that we're going to see in the United States what we saw in China, which is as soon as they restricted the quarantine provisions, there was a, a massive spike in the divorce rate. And I think you're going to see the same thing happen here. I think that if you take unhappy people, as Bobby said earlier, and you have them you know, stuck together in, in, in a small space in an extended period of time. I mean, look, you're, you know, you can be the happiest married people. And my my, father, my mother, father and mother were very happily married for 50 years before my mom passed away. And when my dad retired, she was ready to kill him because she said, you know, I said, I said for better or for worse, I didn't say for lunch. And and she did not know what to do with that guy, you know. And she actually said to me, like, you gotta let him come work in your office like a couple hours a day, because I'm gonna kill him if he's here all the time. And 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 she did. He used to come in and like do the banking and like help with go to the post office. Be- because the truth is is that the best relationship is gonna feel some strain in this kind of a stressful situation. But the prob- the relationships that already had problems that the volume is going to be turned way up on those problems and 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 plus there are going to be tremendous issues related to child support you know people who have existing divorces and existing child support orders you know with with 26 million people filing for unemployment in a one-month period that's unprecedented. Yeah. 50 states work they're unemployed Reduction in their hours i mean that's going to cause a massive problem in terms of people's ability to pay their financial obligations related to their divorces, and and the values have asked change. It's gone down from what it was two months ago. People's IRAs, people's you know financial holdings, the real estate they own. So it's going to be a boom for divorce lawyers. Um, or or maybe everybody will go buy my book and live happily ever after.
1: So so it is not a good time to get divorced if, if you had right if now you could is not wait. time
0: to get divorced simply because. Everything is in flux, right? Now. Right. So, okay. so you know, if someone, obviously if someone is in danger, if they're a victim of intimate partner violence, you know, and they're in a dangerous situation, you know, obviously your safety is the most important thing. It's more important than your assets. But in terms of, of as a lawyer, would I encourage a client to file for divorce right now? I, generally not, unless there was some real urgent reason to, because I think a lot of things are in flux right now and the courts aren't going to know what to do with it. And the courts are on an essential services basis only. Right. So you can't get the attention of the courts so the true. way that you could pre-COVID. So and, I think it's going to be a little while before we're back to sort of a, a business as usual. But when we are back to business as usual, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people coming in with relationship problems.
2: Right, but with businesses closing, salaries not existent anymore, people are on unemployment, right. alimony is, does not look good for right. spouses that are... Right. So, trying to live off alimony for for either. And
1: and can you renegotiate alimony because of
0: this? Well, you can in most states under what's called a hardship standard, which is if there's a substantial and unanticipated change in circumstances. And I think we can all agree that COVID-19 has been a substantial, unanticipated change in circumstances i did not think on a wednesday i'd be wearing a sweater and recording a podcast and not in court right now i mean normally this would have to be after five o'clock eastern standard time because i'd be in court the rest of the day so none of us saw this coming and i think that it's not going to be a hard argument to say to a judge hey judge i I didn't know that COVID was going to happen and that half the workforce was going to get laid off or that my entire customer base you know if i'm a restaurant owner who's been very successful okay I don't have a restaurant anymore. And, and when my restaurant reopens, are there going to be customers who have the money to come in and spend at my restaurant? Even if even if we get rid of covid right now and say right. okay, we we've, we've got a we've got a everyone's got immunity all of a sudden. We've got a vaccine all of a sudden. It doesn't mean everyone's going to have the assets to be able to, to, you know. We we took a hit. Everybody took a hit for a few months here. So I, I think it's a it's a challenging landscape. We won't know what it really looks like until it happens. We're all on the edge of our seats.
1: And that's called that's called a hardship standard.
0: Yeah, hardship standard is usually what they call it. Okay. What, what
2: what are you what is what are you so interested in that
0: for? I, I, <laughs> because I know, I know I have a few
1: friends okay. and I I'm wondering how things and if that's going to be, you know, yeah, well, some kind you... of an excuse, Oh, I can't pay, or I can't, I, you know, I have to lower my alimony. Well, it, and... it, it,
0: it can and will be. And you know, to a person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That is a truth. So what I'll say is, is I think what we're seeing now is, you know, people are using COVID and COVID related things, However, people, you know, people in divorce, they'll hit each other over the head with anything they have. I have a lot of clients right now who, as soon as COVID came, if they had the kids with them, suddenly they were epidemiologists. Suddenly they were, Oh, Nope. The kids can't go to dad anymore. Sorry. The kids are with me and I'm afraid they're going to get, and the other parent, Uh even if they were an infectious disease specialist suddenly is like, yeah, don't worry about it. Send them, send them over. You know? So people who are getting divorced, very often, or not, at you know, I see I see good people at their worst. I, I I represent people who, in their day jobs, are CEOs, surgeons, you know, respected, intelligent people who make great decisions, and I see them at a time very often when they are just doing dumb things all the time every day because they're just so close to it. Okay, sorry, and really. that that's
2: got to be a real tough thing to expose to them and show them. Uh, take a step back, take an overview, and look at how you are doing something because yeah. you're just admitting that these very intelligent people are making dumb decisions because they're too close to it.
0: Yeah. But what's good about that is that, you know, I, I have the temperament for it because I have the ability, Obviously. I think, and I don't know how I developed it, but I have the ability to tell someone in a way that is like snaps them out enough that they, they see it and they hear me because I'm not a shrinking violet. If you couldn't figure that out. But I, I, I also don't do it in a way that makes them feel like confronted and belittled, you know, because I'm very aware. I talk about in the book, I'm very aware of my own foibles and issues as a person and i'm very candid and open about them and i'm comfortable with them so i'm not judging someone when i say look you're a really smart person but you're doing really dumb things right now right they know that's coming from a place of love my only job is to protect that person
1: and you, you know, and if, I, if
0: i'm saying something it's to protect them
1: did i read in your bio that you're also divorced
0: that's where i was going yeah yeah i've been uh, divorced for a long time i i have a wonderful relationship with my ex-wife she's one of my closest friends and we raised two great kids. We got divorced when our kids were very young, and now they're twenty-two and twenty-one.
1: How's that possible? You look well, like you're twenty-five. You're a
0: law school, junior and junior in college. Yeah. Oh, thanks. No, I'm forty-seven. Oh, you're but, still you're uh, a kid. She was my college sweetheart, so we were quite young when we got married. So. And well, how is how's, how's the date? You can tell you that all day to me, Bobby. You can- the, no.
2: Uh, okay. How's the date? How's the dating world for you? Are you
0: dating? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, doing what I do for a living, that's a hard, you know, that's a hard world to navigate. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm in a relationship and, and uh, it's, a, it's a real good one. And uh, right. um, I've been very fortunate in that regard, you know, and I, I think that, that uh, you know, I, I made a point of being in a relationship with a person who respects the fact that I'm someone who has respect for my ex-wife and who, um, you know, I have friendly relationships with most of the women I've, I've ever been involved with romantically. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm with someone who's, you know, mature enough to see that and to understand it as, as a sign of who I am. And, uh, and, and, you know, thankfully that's a, uh, that's a good thing.
2: Excellent.
1: Um, We have to wrap.
2: We do have to wrap. But I, you you have to come back on the show. Yeah. Okay. Really awesome.
1: You have to come back on the show because there's a whole part two to this, to dating single parents and dating divorced parents. Yeah. There's a whole dating aspect to this, which, um, which by the way, both of us have experienced more probably me because I dated tons of separated and divorced guys.
0: Yeah. And I,
1: and I will say, uh, you, you, compared it to um, wine tasting or becoming a wine expert um yeah. i would say you just not and you I have sure to drink I mean. a lot of wine but you got to kiss a lot of frogs
0: yeah yeah amen amen but it, but i think it's a learning experience because yes. you're learning what you don't like you're learning what doesn't fit you and, and yes. i think that's a, that's a blessing
1: i would also say that it helps to have gone through it to walk in their shoes sure It it helps me give advice because both of us give advice because we dated for so long we were so we were single you know we had every experience in the book and so I I think it's it helps it makes us and you relatable and and more able to. no it's a
0: great topic and and dating dating post divorce is a huge topic oh my god and 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 then dating post divorce when you have children is another topic okay And, and dating someone who has children, yes. Those are all when part of you this. maybe do or don't yes. have children, that's another really, you know, I, I was very, when when my when I first got divorced, my kids were seven and nine. And, and that was a real, and I was really like, you know, still a, a hands-on dad. I had my kids about half the time. And so, you know, dating someone who didn't have children had its own issues, dating people who had their own children that had its own issues. So, you know, there's again, there's no perfect solution. It's just a matter of adapting yourself to the environment that you're in and, and recognizing it and finding ways to communicate about it. That's the key. But uh, yeah, that's a great conversation. Let's have some we, we, we like have to some.
1: say, been there, dated that.
0: Okay. Right?
2: All right. So you of our next podcast, let our audience know how they can find you
0: and hopefully uh, they won't hopefully, be able to they won't but hopefully you won't need to find me yeah right but you can find me and you can find information about my appearances and uh, my book on uh, my firm's website which is www.nyc like new york city divorces d-i-v-o-r-c-e-s dot com and i'm also on instagram at uh, at nyc divorce lawyer excellent okay all right so what's if- the name of the book uh, the, the, the first book was If You're In My Office, It's Already Too Late, A Divorce Lawyer's Guide to Staying Together. Um, you can get that on Amazon or also on Audible uh, if you want to listen to me talk for eight hours uh, on my audiobook. And then uh, How to Stay in Love came out uh, earlier uh, this year, and um, the How to Stay in Love, Practical Wisdom from an Unlikely Source. And uh, both of those are you know wherever books are sold. you can- Excellent.
1: Okay, this is great. Promise you'll come back. Thanks so much yeah, for Jane. having me. Really great. We're gonna co- really part two. It. Part two is coming. Let's do it. Okay. I'd
0: love to. Anytime. You great are to see perfect. You both. Be safe and be healthy. Thank you, Jane. You too. Thanks so much. Day. See you all soon. Okay, okay bye-bye. 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 Bye now.
2: I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.